This show is furnished by The Cochran Firm. Talk Radio 790. You are listening to A Nation Divided, and we're coming to you live from Culver City in these most tumultuous of times. Seems like every day there's another horrible story dividing us as a nation. I am so happy to be here in the studio live with my best friend, Mr. James Oates. How you doing today, brother? Man, I don't even know what to say. I thought we were going to be talking about political conventions today. I had no idea that we would end up being where we are now. Well, perhaps it's all one big... Perhaps it's still all... Potpourri of division. Yes, and that's then right. Perhaps they're all somehow related. Maybe more and, than we even realize. Uh, a police shooting, uh, a civilian shooting, a convention that is uh, divisive, a convention before that that's divisive, people getting up talking about how much... They're right, and everyone else is wrong. Their biggest fear is being realized, perhaps, on either side. It seems as if it's one big bowl of toxic uh, division. Toxic. That's it. You nailed it. Toxic. That's it. So, folks, we're going to be talking about a few things, but one of the things that we're going to do differently today, I I don't think I've seen a show do this, but we're only going to try to talk about what are the real causes and what are the real solutions. We have so many divisions that have become so ingrained in our consciousness as a nation that we have spent so much time talking about those divisions. And it doesn't matter who you're looking at. It seems as though the common denominator of every person is that we are right. The other people are wrong. Us against them. And we must destroy the other people because we are right and we now have the moral authority because we are right. Or is that really what's happening? I mean, that's what we hear on either extreme. But what about everybody in the middle? People that kind of don't have a choice, right? And one They've got to go one way or the other. That's such a great point. Yeah. They have to go to the left or they have to go to the right because there's nothing else for them. And the reality is, folks, we are of the opinion that most of us are in the middle. And we are of the opinion that most of us are rational, fair-minded people. And that most of us don't want war. Most of us want peace. Most of us do not want to feel anger and hatred. We want to feel love and different things. But it seems as though there is a tendency that used to be something that was on the fringe. But it's now more in the middle. So we have the shooting in Kenosha. It was on video. African-American man gets shot in the back a few times getting into his car. Got multiple shootings in Kenosha. Yeah. Multiple incidents to talk about. The self-proclaimed 17-year-old member of a militia is uh, attending a protest with a AK. What is that? No, it's an AR-15. Uh, He actually did get into a scuffle from what it appears like in the video. Big scuffle. Got to get, got to have to, have to recognize that it was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, And two people got killed and another person got shot. And who's right and who's wrong. I'm going to throw some ideas that are pretty shocking to you guys right now. 
I happen to know a lot about law enforcement training because my entire 26-year career as an attorney has been spent dealing with these issues, constitutional issues involving excessive force, police misconduct. And I'm going to tell you some things that are going to shock you. We have the Black Lives Matter movement. And in L.A., I know a lot of the folks that are in it. And we have the Blue Lives Matter movement, which seemed to have been a reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement. But I'm going to tell you some things that nobody's ever said before. So just think about these kernels. How did the Black Lives Matter movement start? If I were going to encapsulate it, it was some folks that thought that we needed to raise awareness at the issue of black men being killed by law enforcement officers in a way that was, in the minds of many, not justified. Unarmed black men running, getting shot by the police, for example. Probably most people in there, too, thinking about it, not just from the perspective of each individual incident, but thinking about the system and all of the deep, complex reasons why you do have this disproportionate number of African-American men shot by police versus anyone else in the country. And then you have the Blue Lives Matter movement, uh, which in essence says we want to stop the gratuitous violence against law enforcement. We want to stop the disrespect of law enforcement that has happened and that is attendant to law enforcement officers being put into a box. And most importantly, we don't want to create an environment where it's okay to tee off on cops because you're mad about the way that things have gone in the tumultuous 400 years that we've been coexisting as races in this country. Well, and didn't you also say, I, I love it, I don't want to preempt you here on this, but I think I got to jump right to the point. Absolutely. You said law and order. You said you've got well, two groups my, my of point, people. The, who the won. point is that the if you look at who's in Black Lives Matter, they, 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 they don't want the unjustified murder of, right. of African-Americans. If you look at who's in Blue Lives Matter, they don't want the unjustified violence against police. Right. Everybody agrees with that. They if you talk to any person right. in Black Lives Matter, they're not going to tell you that we think that we should be doing violence against police. The worst possible thing, honestly, for our nation at any time is the, the murder of an innocent. And they're not saying they want anarchy, at least not the core, not the center. Not and that's the my exact point. Exactly. The vast majority majority. of people in Black Lives Matter would be disgusted at the gratuitous violence against a law enforcement officer. They don't want to see that. And at the same and at the same time, the vast majority of people in Blue Lives Matter, those guys aren't saying that police should just simply be able to shoot anybody anytime they want. Far from that. They, as you've said before, that the only thing that a cop hates more then what's he like? He hates a bad a cop. Good like a bad cop. Cop hates yes. a bad cop more than anything else, right? So the vast majority are never going to make that argument. But you've got people on the extremes that are going to make pretty extreme arguments, and then that ends up being the voice for the whole movement or the whole group of people. Absolutely. If you're a cop and you truly are dedicated to the Constitution and you honor the oath, the unjustified killing of any person is going to disgust you whether the person's black or anything else. So what we really have fundamentally, folks, are these divisions. But they have so much common ground. Now, there is going to be a fringe group in each section. There's going to be a fringe group in Black Lives Matter that believe that because of the uh, injustice of the past, a little property damage may be okay, a little looting may be okay, but that is the fringe. Uh, You're going to have a small group of 
of officers, people aff affiliated with Blue Lives Matter. And they're going to say that, well, it is us against them. And every once in a while, a shooting may look bad. But in reality, we have to support everything that police do. Or even more to the point, you're going to have people that are going to mm -hmm. hear the argument. They're going to hear people say Black Lives Matter. They're going right. to see the sign. now, And it immediately guys, sends up this red flag. It, it sends this red flag up, yeah. And these are guys that are out doing their job every day. And what they read is, oh, so basically you're saying, if I'm a police officer, I'm racist. That's what you're saying to me. Right. And now they're going to they're gonna dig their heels in because they know they're not racist. They know they're good guys. They know they're buddies. They know they're good guys. Absolutely. And they think you guys don't even understand what we're doing out here every day. And then it leads to this whole snowball effect of no one listening to anyone. And the reality is there are so many common denominators. So many. And the, the Blue Lives Matter movement is supported in theory by the people in the Black Lives Matter movement and vice versa. Right. There's this idea that police think it's okay if there is a bad shooting of a black man. And that is not the case. I can tell you because I've been doing this. They hate it. They can't always rise up against it's it almost, because they it could be professional suicide it's but almost like, it. it's almost like watching two people speak a different language to right. each other and one's trying to speak one language over top of the other and they keep saying these things and neither person understands what the other's saying and they just keep saying over and over the thing that they're saying right and what we want to try to do is eliminate those divisions and the idea is it doesn't matter if you love the yankees or if you love the red Sox. you are all baseball fans and you love the team. We are going to take a short break. And we're going to continue the discussion. But what we're going to really be figuring out today, folks, is what is the real source of these problems and how can we fix them? Because that's what we want. We love you all. And we're going to be back real soon, folks. Folks. I think it's important to say that you that Brian did win the song contest, the song <laughs> thing today. Uh, he, his Super Tramp, that was a good call. I love those boys. Very good call. We Brian are AM Talk it. Radio 790. You're listening to KBC, A Nation Divided. Uh, we are tackling some issues, but we're going to tackle them from a different angle this time. Uh, we're not going to be talking about police tactics, which is a subject I love. We're not going to be talking about uh, the issues as to whether someone should be charged with a crime or not. Uh, we're not going to be talking about issues of the correctness of the Black Lives Matter movement or the incorrectness of the Black Lives Matter movement. We're not going to be talking about the correctness of the Blue Lives Matter movement or the incorrectness. We're not going to be talking about who's good and the Republicans and who's bad and the Republicans and the Democrats and who's bad and good. We're not even going to be talking about these things directly but i think that what we really want to talk about is what is underneath this what is beneath the rhetoric why have we become so divided and why have we fallen into this trap of believing we are good they are bad yes we must destroy them right before they destroy us because that's really not the reality if you look at who's in Black Lives Matter, if you look at who's in Blue Lives Matter, they will all agree that violence against police is bad. They will all agree 
that the shooting of an of an unarmed person uh, that may be fleeing is going to be bad. Police don't uh, like this, folks. I need you to understand. I know this. I've been doing this for 26 years. Yeah, the bad shootings happen. But the good police hate it when it happens. There's a culture within the department that sometimes stifles those voices. But you have to understand the common ground between this. And when we hear the law and order concept, now law and order, which has been a very pervasive concept in in the GOP's rhetoric, this has been something that has been floated for decades in the country. It seems to be associated with urban violence. But if you look at any person who supports Black Lives Matter, if you look at any basketball player that didn't show up for work, what they want, folks, is law and order. They just have the revolutionary idea that the law should be applied equally and that even law enforcement officers are not above the law. So in reality, they want law and order, too. But the thing is, when you hear law and order, it's really not about the application of the Constitution or the equal administration of justice. It seems to signify some primal fear of urban violence and some uh, fear that the masses of disaffected people of color are going to rise up and do some really horrible things. You see it associated with fires Riots. Now yeah, but B, that does start at a very fundamental level. The whole notion of law and order starts with if we all just simply got along, everything would be great. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. In other words, it wasn't like police were created or law and order as a construct was just made up and then the crime came. It kind of goes the other way around. Well, my belief is that it was always a dog whistle. And that it was never really about law, and it was never really about order. Well, that may be true politically, yes, of course. In political rhetoric, absolutely, of course. But it's about associating a certain uh, fear with a certain class of folks. And we have to understand that nobody wins at all when an unarmed suspect is shot fleeing. Nobody wins. You think the police win because they got to shoot this person? No, they lose too. Everyone loses. If there's violence against a police officer, if heaven forbid a police officer is, is uh, subjected to, to serious injury or death, nobody wins. And the most, the vast majority of people who are on the street know that. The vast majority of people that are protesting know that. I happen to be familiar with a lot of the folks that were involved in the initial protest that, that started all the problems in Los Angeles. And they said that they, they were protesting peacefully. And it was a small group of, of a handful of people that just started breaking things and started knocking things down. And then nobody even knew these guys. Nobody had seen them at a meeting before, but they represented that fringe and they got so much attention. And what happened was there became an association of these protests with violence. Now, the reality is, spiritually, if you love justice, you don't want to see a person get killed before their day in court. You want to see them tried by a judge and jury. And that's something that I think that we can all agree on, even though we never talk about the things that we can agree on anymore. Well, that's true. But then I think what happens is is that you're missing the point that there are people that will believe and maybe a distinct majority of people who will believe that that it's better that there be some action taken than no action taken at all. 
And they're going to kind of fall into this line of thinking that says maybe the spirit of the law, maybe the idea that that we should all go to trial and that we should all have our day in court if we are accused of a crime has to be secondary to first maintaining order. And there are a lot of people that believe that. Well, how is order going to be maintained if there is not a common ground as to what is right and what is wrong with regard to the use of deadly force? Well, sure, but we can't skip over the point where people might not have considered that. So we can't skip over thinking that there is a group of people, maybe a distinct group of people, who say, hey, look, you know, we got to have order first no matter what. Now, you sit them down and you go deep enough with them and spend enough time speaking to them about it and show them statistics maybe and show them some data. And then you show them the law. Then maybe you can get them to say, hey, I never really thought about that before. Right. You're right. Maybe if we push too hard on this order thing and we do that at all other costs, we end up building a bigger problem for us ourselves in the future. Well, that might be obviously, if you have folks that have uh, taken over a city, that's a unique situation that requires a unique uh, solution. But if we're looking at, if you look at like 1% of something and there's a whole 99% that you're not looking at, then you're not getting the whole picture. When the, when the law enforcement officers rise up and they say, listen, the vast majority of police contacts are nonviolent and they're doing their jobs. Yes. This is just something that we don't want to be associated with George Floyd. We don't want to be, when they're, when they're getting up and, and they're saying with rage in their voices, this is not who we are. They're actually right, and they need to be heard. And the problem is, is if someone is going to take that fringe, the fringe of the people that murdered George Floyd, the fringe of the individuals that are uh, actually keen on shooting unarmed folks, then you're lumping in the vast majority of law enforcement officers with lawless behavior that is just wrong. And it's the same thing if you put every person protesting in the street and you associate them with... Uh, 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 looting, if you so associate them with these big raging fires and all of these other things, you're missing the vast majority of, of peaceful protests that have happened throughout this country. And the only thing you're paying attention to is that really small fringe that have seized an opportunity to break the law. But now what do, you say, to, what do you say to the people who are going to say to you, You've got the protesters going out. I understand that we have freedom of speech. I understand that we have this theory that says that people should be able to go out and protest. But the reality is when they go to protest, they're going to bring in that fringe. But Even it's if we not don't always, blame them. Well, but what do you say to people that say that's something that they didn't have to do? The police officers have to be out doing their job every day. What do you say to those people when they make that that well, is very argument. simple. Uh, it's very simple. There, the concept of, of dealing with someone who may be looting is not new. Uh, the concept of dealing with someone who is going to break the law is not new. There are ways to maintain order, okay, that have been tried and true. And if you really look at the situations that have gotten out of control, once again, these are very minute uh, in comparison the to the, the, millions, be, the millions of people that have been peacefully yeah. protesting out on the streets. Yeah, but the argument would be the same as the argument that you make about police training, police tactics. And I completely agree with everything you say. It tends to be a scenario where you've got a rush in, a rush to judgment that if, if police would just use their numbers, would would take the tactic of let's step back for a second, contain, give it some time. In other words, let's put it a different way, not create the environment 
where you have someone get killed, not create that heightened sort of anger or angst or frustration or energy where someone gets shot, then you can avoid having someone being shot and killed by the police. And well, the if you way, wanted to have a discussion on tactics, I would say in one sentence, when cooler heads prevail, shots cool- don't get fired. Right. When cooler heads prevail, shots do not get po- fired. And so, if the suspect is acting like a hothead, that does not mean that the officer also has to act like a hothead with him because they are technically peace officers and their consciousness should be one yeah, of but de-escalation. What you talk about is creating, Hold on. But what, de-escalation and... Exactly. But what you have talked about, though, Brian, is, is about creating that environment that's the good environment, that right. environment that's not going to lead to these things that we don't want to see happen. So, again, you go back to the thing about protests. What do you say for people who say, hey... You have this environment being created, whether it was intentional or not, for the people that started the protest that are bringing in these elements that are doing things that are, by any standard, wrong. I would say to that person, ask yourself why they're out there and try to understand their point of view. Yes, that's true. That's what I would say. Try to understand why they're out there in the first place. And if you really dig deep, you're going to agree with the reasons why they're out there. Okay, And that's really what we're all trying to do here. We're trying to be able to create an environment where you can understand at least where the other person's coming from. Because that is what is going to save us, folks. If we are ever going to get through this, that's what's going to save us. So what I want to talk about today is what do you think we can do to try to open up a dialogue? Between the factions that now hate each other and are trying to destroy each other, Republican, Democrat. Uh, we were talking about Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter. How do you get Any the people that are groups? in the middle to kind of come together? Because for the most part, they agree. Right. They do agree. And how can we drop the illusion that we're enemies? How can we drop the illusion that there are these divisions that are so real that we must eliminate the other side in order for us to ever get where we need to go. Because that's not true, folks. We're all Americans. Well, it comes we back to all that, people. It comes back to that old question of why. Yes. Why are we being divided? So, folks, we're going to open up the discussion and we want to get philosophical here. We don't need degrees or tactical understanding. We need your voice. We need your heart. I don't know. I like we need your mind. tactical understanding. <laughs> you like can it. reach us at what's the number? 1-800-222-5222. 1-800-222-KABC. KABC. 1-800-222-5222. We want to hear what's on your heart, folks. We don't care if you have any degrees. And I'm going to talk slow with love in my heart all day. I swear. Not going to even start getting we'll angry. Keep it. Welcome back, folks. We are KBC AM 790 Talk Radio. We are a nation divided. I am Brian Dunn with my best friend, Mr. James Oates. We're trying to figure out some solutions. We have a lot of headlines. We have a, a, a shooting that happened in Kenosha, left a man paralyzed. We have a, a shooting that happened a couple of days after that 17-year-old uh, associate with the militia left a couple of people dead and another, another man injured. But I don't want to talk about who's right and who's wrong, folks. I really don't. I want to talk about how we can end the violence. Well, and how they got there. 
Yeah, uh, I could I could go on all day long about tactics, and, but I really. But we do have to. This talk is like about Groundhog Day. This keeps happening over and over again in our country. This keeps re- happening, and it's just. But like, the reason it's happening is because we have the fertile ground for it. Amen, brother. It's not because of the individual tactic. Tactic amen. is a big thing, and we can definitely go on it. I know you know that. But, but everything that we do is an outgrowth of what we think, and all of the actions of our minds and bodies seem to have their genesis in what we have thought first and what type of thing happens. If a man says that it's the thing to do to get an AR-15 and be around a group of people uh, for the purposes of ostensibly protecting property damage, we cannot be surprised that bad things are going to happen after that. What happens is how have we given each other the moral authority to take up arms, American against American? I'm not trying to say I have it figured out, folks. I'm not because... I don't. I've just I've spent my entire career dealing with uh, these issues, and I'm seeing the same thing happen over and over and over and over again. But it's not just about that moral authority. You got to be very careful when you say that because you're then you're pushing one particular group of people into one. Group. Well, I'm not trying to do anything, but I'm saying no, like, but- let's say a woman uh, consistently ends up with a guy who's just a jerk, and then she go- she gets through that one and gets with another guy, and it's the same guy but a different body, and he's a jerk. And it's the same thing, and she keeps getting with another. After a while, the woman should probably say, look, maybe maybe I have to stop attracting this horrible man. Yeah, but you're still focusing on the – when you say in the same sentence the moral authority and then of a guy to pick up a gun and, and uh, do what you said, you're not you're, – that completely ignores the moral authority – that people are giving themselves to do all other sorts of things. Well, it's, it's an example, but the it's truth an is, example, but you got to make sure that you we have all to of that. understand that these events are the, a function of the way that we think. This is something that happens before it happens. That's the point I'm trying to make. These are things that happen in the realm of the invisible human thought, and they manifest themselves out in reality in, in terms uncivil- of the things that happen. In uncivil discourse is where it really comes from, right? Folks, if you'd love to join the discussion, we need need some solutions. I don't want anybody to say anybody's wrong here. I don't want anybody to say they're right. I don't want to hear the word Dambas. I don't want to hear the word Democrats. I don't want to hear the word Republicans. I don't want to talk. I want to hear about what we can do to try to solve these problems. Uh, What can we do to try to establish communication you know i love when do you remember when the guy that called about it was maybe three or four weeks ago it was a police officer called in do you remember right. that guy that called in and he was talking about the guys that he's with at the patrol station and the people that he's serving with and kind of was talking about this idea that police officers are somehow fundamentally racist and essentially what he was talking about like that they're all la fans they're like la dodgers fans they're just normal people in other words they're simply a reflection of all of the rest and of us we're not as different as we think steve from calabasas i want to thank you for holding we're going to get to everybody folks if you'd like to join the discussion you can reach us at 1-800-222-5222 1-800-222-kbc how are we going to heal this nation steve talk to us brother we are dying to know what you think all right hello gentlemen hello hello Right, so from a spiritual standpoint, we all need to do some work for ourselves. And, uh, you know, a lot of us are out of integrity. And the choices that have been given to us now, where we only have two choices for political parties, Mm. I think that's got to change as well. Wow. You're nailing it. Wow. That is hot. Keep going, Steve. Tell us. Tell us. I think you're onto something. Yes. um, And you know what? One book that I read that changed... My perspective on the universe is called the Four Agreements. Yes. Four Agreements brings you into integrity. Yeah, one of them is don't take things personally. 
And that's exactly. one of the, that's a very important one. But anyway, keep going, Steve, please. And be impeccable with your word. Right. You know, speak the truth, be the truth. And, you know, the, Always- I, yeah, the idea, though, Steve, is that when you really start to understand the other side, they're not different. And we they're have not. demonized each other. And we, it's as if the other person seems to have no value if they disagree. And the reality is we are so similar and we have so much in common. And we agree on so many things that it seems as though for some reason we've forgotten that. How can we get past it? Do you think we should have a third political party? Uh, you know what? I'm not that. You know, I meditate on solutions. And yes, it's time for real change. It's time to start another movement where we're not relying on these corrupted politicians that are going on the Lolita Express. Right. Yeah. That, you know, are hanging out with pedophiles. Because that's another topic. That well, yeah, we, we don't want to accuse anybody of anything. But, but Steve, see now, Steve, he's, that, on, he's on a track. He, with he's on a track there. But, Steve, is it really the politicians inside the parties that are creating the division that we have? Or could uh, it be yeah. could it could be something more like the idea that you've got two different groups of people, two different parties, but there's going to be fringes on either side? And then it's going to eventually people are going to find themselves in a place where they've got to pick a side because there's nowhere else for them to go. If they're in the middle, where do they go? Right. I mean, maybe you're the guy that has a next door neighbor who happens to be a police officer. He's a best friend of yours. So you're going to tend to go a little more right in terms of arguing about police tactics and so on and so forth. Maybe you're a person on the other side who's got maybe a relative who was shot and killed by a police officer sometime maybe they were doing something wrong maybe they weren't when they were shot and maybe you're going to lean a little more left but if you brought those two people together they would completely agree but they have to choose a side because there's only two choices yes and and i do work in law enforcement amen and i see uh, thank you and i see both sides where yes the tactics need to change but they the, do need a change we do, need a you know spend more resources to train these officers, like you said before, to de-escalate. Well, yeah. And but I, the way I look at it, Steve, is that if you have a, a drunk relative like an uncle or someone, everybody's got a person in their family, and that person is drunk, do we, do we and, and they pick up... A, per- I don't know about that, yeah. They, they pick up, like, an iron or something, and they, they start holding the iron. Everybody in the family will do everything they can to not hurt that person. Because they love them, and but even though the iron them. may be a deadly weapon, they're going to get it out of their hand they're without, without out but hand. they're not going to shoot the person because right, they love true. them. And the idea is that if you start talking about the heart of the the, the watch commander, it's gonna it's going to bleed down to the rank and file police officer. And if the watch commander is someone that believes in de escalation, that tactic will come through. But it's more the heart than it is the training. Steve, I want to get back to you. I got to put you on hold one beef second. I wanted to get to Lynette. Lynette, you've been holding for quite a while. I wanted to get to you, and we are going to get to everybody, folks. You can hit us at 1-800-222-5222 if you'd like to join the discussion. Lynette, talk to us. Don't go anywhere, Steve. We'll get back to you. Oh, What's hi, happening? Thanks for taking my call. Long time no talk to. Great to hear from you. And thank you guys for putting this to uh, the public, you know, us voters and what have you, stakeholders. Thank you, Lynette. Uh, you know, just like we needed a Marshall Plan, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> where there was just extreme, uh, I should say, dystopic destruction on yeah. a physical level, we have to have that kind of a uh, mindset now 
you know, and of course, of course, you know, um, using all of our tools to bring some reconciliation to the forefront has to be the agenda. Not all the division that we see with the politics, right. you know, and when that's the agenda, then, you know, for division and, you know, because we've had systematic uh, racism for hundreds of years here. Now we're approaching fascism right. and no if- one at the top is really trying to bring about a real plan to get everybody together. And just like with South Africa, they had to have a truth and reconciliation movement. You you have to ask yourself the question, though, Lynette. Here's the thing I would want to say. Does it serve the needs of either political party or political group to have people come together? How do they get the votes if they don't drive someone to their extreme? Well, I think like this. It, you know, to me, voting for Trump is voting for Putin. Okay, people might. <laughs> all right, slow down, that's slow down, now, that We all have our opinion. We're not going. Uh, yeah, but I understand that's what you're God saying, us, but you know? we don't want to say that because there, for us, every that's, person that's that says truth. that, they would say that a vote because for Biden is a vote for a different not- horrible person. But wait a minute, wait a minute, please, Lynette, please. We don't necessarily want to attack the leadership now because this is a deeper problem. I'm convinced. That the leadership is around the, way it's the symptom and not the cause of we have divisions. Now, yeah. Otherwise, going to be here way after. Right. Yep. And so it's not just change the leadership because we're not going to win at all if we stay this divided, regardless of what suit is in the White House. We're not going to win. We have to figure out how to start opening a dialogue. You know, if you've got a person that's on the right, let's just say that they're a little to the right and they're a little bit Republican. But they feel like they don't have any other alternative to counter what they consider the extreme yes. on the left. Then maybe they vote for a Trump. Now, if well, if you, if you say, attack that person, right. they're going to dig in if harder. You, though. If you right. say to them, "You're that's just completely wrong," and you're a complete moron, you're never you're never going to be able to come together with that person. And chances Hello? are, right, probably you agree. Lynette, hold on for one second. Uh, Clarence from L.A., you've been holding too. Uh, I wanted to thank you for holding for so long. Uh, I think I might know who you are. But uh, you actually have had the audacity to use your real name. Is this Clarence Chapman? Yes, it is, sir. Oh, Hello, thank Clarence. you so much for calling my show, Clarence. <laughs> Good afternoon, Brian. Clarence uh, you really got I listened to your show on Saturdays, but you really got my attention on this topic. Well, I appreciate you. Clarence and I go back literally over 24 years. Um, he's always on the opposite side, but man, I love this man. Keep going, man. Tell us what you need to know. Okay, well, let's let's capitalize on that, our perspective. And like you said, uh, to give you a little background, you know, I was a police officer for 42 years. I retired as a police chief. I do basically civil rights litigation for plaintiff side, uh, where you're on, I mean, defense side, where you're on the plaintiff side. So just to kind of give the audience a little bit of background, we've actually, Brian and I have actually been in court together probably a dozen times. On this very issue, we're talking 1983 civil rights cases. And so I have a unique perspective. And I appreciate what you and James are saying. But you're looking at the problem from 40,000 feet. You're talking, and I agree with you totally, you're talking philosophically. But what I do on the stand, let's break it down and segment it to what you and I, Brian, do for a living. Well, well, Clarence, hold on. I actually have to ask you. You're going to be right with us after the break, but people are yelling at me right now. We've got to take a short break. But, Clarence, after that break, you're going to be first. And then we're we're going to get to everybody. But 
We got to take a break, folks, and uh, we're going to be right back after these Hate short to do words. Got to happen. I, I, I wouldn't do it, but radio stations got to pay the bills. This is what I, I'm going to get shot otherwise. So <laughs> I, I, I'm going to get, get shot. I love sure. y'all, man. We'll get right back to you, Clarence. I'm going I'm to talk to you four minutes behind. All right, be right there. I think we got Clarence back here. Oh, yeah. I think he came on. Welcome back, folks. How we're going to impose some civility in the strange times. We are having a deep discussion. And in this discussion, we're not going to talk about who's right or who's wrong. We're going to talk about what it is we can do. That we can actually tear down the invisible walls that are separating us. Clarence Chapman uh, is on the line. We are blessed. I didn't even know you were going to call. Clarence is a top police practices expert. 40 years in law enforcement understands the issues of police tactics and police procedures better than anyone because he's been there and done that. He's probably handled and looked at thousands of officer-involved shootings. He understands what happens in those 10 seconds. He usually represents the police, but that doesn't bother me. He's a good man. And I think you should talk to us a little bit more, Clarence. Steve, we're going to get to you next. We also have another law enforcement officer, but we're going to get to everybody. Please be a little patient with us because we want to hear your voices. Talk to us, Clarence. Yeah, I want to continue this line of, of thinking. I, I think what you and James, are, 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 the direction you're going is absolutely right. Politics and emotion aside has nothing to do with it. Let's talk about process. This is what Brian and I do in a court of law. It's under protocol. It's almost authoritarian because it's being monitored or overseen by a judge, obviously. And every, each side has a time to talk. Right. There's certain, uh, I won't get into motions of limine, but there's certain exclusions that we can talk about and can't talk about. That's what Brian and uh, James are doing. We're not going to talk about politics. We're not going to talk about, like, Lynette. We're not going to, once she said Trump, all the radios went off on Uh, one side. It's all right. We're doing We want to stay away from that. But here's what I do, and I've been doing it for 30 years. I explain the rules, the training, and the mindset of why police officers do what they do. And you do it very well, I am sad to say. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't like that, yeah. I think I'd be be Clarence like like maybe one-fourth of the time. Anyway, keep going, brother. Yeah, Brian wins sometimes. I I, I win sometimes. But, (laughs) but, but, But it comes down to taking a group of people, either eight people or 12 people, who don't know you. They only know you by your bona fides, who you are and where you've been. And you have to instill an impression in them that actually is very significant as far as outcome. Brian, James, why don't we do that? Why don't we come down from the clouds and let's start with educating. I want to know what the people, the rioters and the, uh, not rioters, but the protesters, and there's some bad apples in there. I want to know what they're thinking. But we got to shut up. They get their time to talk. I need to have an open mind, like hopefully I have a jury, and then I have a time to talk. If we can talk about why we do the foundation, the absolute essence of why we think the way we do, then maybe – Maybe we can start to come together. And Maybe that, we the, can start to have. But then to the problem we have, Clarence, is we have to say, how do we get to that place? It's. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about actual right. things that we can do to get to that place. Real nuts and bolts, physical actions. For instance, we have media, 
And we right. know the problem we've got with media. We have social media. We know what that means. Right. We know what the flow of information is. And the part of the problem with just simply saying we're going to let people have their time to speak is, is that even if we had some way to structure that right. and we had some law or we had some organization that was going to oversee that, like, I don't know, the FCC, they've been around for a long time. They were doing that. That ends up even lend, – it lends itself to this, the scenario where you have an individual that gets in. And they're not speaking for the majority. They're speaking for a distinct minority, but then they drive that wedge because they're going out to the fringe. And that's where we find ourselves today. Well, well you're going to have to break it down. I mean, literally to its basic elements. You're right, James. I mean, when you get ethereal like that and you're starting to try to pack everything right, into hold on, that. Hold on, Clarence. I got to put a bow on it real quickly. Real okay. quickly. I'm going to come back to you. Okay. Um, but I had to get to a couple of other callers. Don't go anywhere. Okay. Um, I wanted to get briefly back to Steve, and we're going to hit you. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get to Greg next, uh, but Steve, briefly, uh, do you think that the issue, as it relates to the lack of understanding between the two sides that are critical of law enforcement and supportive of law enforcement, boils down to just education, or is it something that you think uh, is a little deeper? How do you think that, that the, the gap can be bridged uh, between these two factions? You know what, it, it's going to start on a local level. And once you listen to the community, you know, and you're involved. Yeah. And you're, because remember, we're dealing with trauma here, too. Yes. With a lot of these, you know, um, the other side of things where they probably had a bad experience with law enforcement at right. one point. Right, or vice versa. And now they yes. have this uh, assumption that you know law enforcement thinks this way only and that's not the case anymore right if and you look just at la you know lapd for example when you break down the you know the officers of their what ethnics they come from it's very diverse well, lapd has also had a pretty massive change in terms of they've, they're a very progressive department and they're, they've been trying to change uh, ever since uh, i saw uh, was it Bratton got in there? There's been some efforts. You know, body cameras are one big example. LAPD is trying. There's a police culture uh, that uh, is is one of keeping things the way they are and and establishing us against them. But I think the LAPD is really trying to change that. Um, we but, are, you know. And the one other thing I wanted to uh, I wanted to say in response to uh, some of the things Clarence was talking about is that when we talk about a case, there are two things that are different. Number one, the jurors are forced to be there, and they're forced to listen to each other. They're going to lock you into a room, literally lock you in, and you have to listen to the other person. And the other thing is that if you're in a court of law, everything that is said must be true. All of the evidence must be presented in a way that is not junk science. It is absolutely something you can take to the bank. So these are things that the judge ensures uh, you're actually forced to have a level playing field. And when we start talking about, Steve, the issues that you're that you're bringing up with his you know, the concept of a person dealing with trauma, the concept of a family that's had a homicide in the family. Uh, and then it may have been called from by law enforcement. It may have been a really good police officer who, who made a, an honest mistake and there is a death. And the family is saying, I need this person to be charged criminally. And there should be some way to reach out to that person. And when, try to get to some feeling for what that mother is But, Brian, feeling. when I think about that person you're describing, when I think about the person that's had that trauma and they want 
they're looking for a solution. They're looking for something to be done. The partisan environment we have provides no place for them to go, right? In other words, I've, I've heard it described, I think Wayman said this before the show started, that sometimes you can think of the political parties like two gangs. You got to join a gang, otherwise you're not going to be safe. Right. If you find yourself in the middle, no one's going to stand up for you. No one's going to represent you. No one's going to recognize, in this instance, the trauma that you've suffered. Right. And these are some of the issues, Steve. I'm really happy you brought that up. Uh, we're going to bounce back to you. I wanted to get to uh, Greg from Los Angeles. Thank you for being so patient, and I will get to everybody. Hello, Greg. Uh, you've been holding for a long time. Welcome to A Nation Divided, brother. We are dying to know what you think. Uh, Greg from Los Greg Angeles. Might not be there. I Greg? Think he's, I think he's gone already. Greg, hello. You want to move down maybe to Allen, right. Allen Highland Park? Yeah, let's go to Allen from Highland Park. You've been on for a while. Welcome to A Nation Divided. We are dying to know what you think, brother. Talk to us. Am I on here? Yeah, yeah is this Alan? Yeah, we're yeah, getting to we you loud you. and clear. Yeah, I was in. The, I was waiting a little bit. I had some people, some pedestrians near me. Uh, real quick, I coached high school football in the city of LA and junior college, mostly all black schools. I coached about ten to twelve years. And I'm a big old white Republican, six four, two hundred forty pounds, and my guys. So am I, Coach Ditka. He's like your Coach Ditka. <laughs> Coach, man. Yeah, I'd be right until the white Republican. I'm 6'4", 240, but anyway, keep going, brother. (laughs) But anyhow, I coached, and uh, my guys had no problem with me. I didn't see any systemic racism with us at all. We kind of went along our day, and all I did was I made guys better football players. Never thought I was was coaching black or white or yellow. I didn't give a crap about that. That's because you're real. I can hear it in your voice, Alan. You're a real, you're an authentic person. And you were brothers. I can can pick it up. You had fraternity. I want to talk about that, though, because... I was in there with my guys. Still on Facebook, calling me, want to hang out, go bowling, go go to dine, you know diners. All these guys still want to hang out with me, even though my opinion wasn't what they heard all day long. I had a different opinion, but I was real about it. And but I, I like also the authenticity. I could hear it. in the first two yep. seconds you spoke. I could hear it. I'm just telling you. But this is this is the deal, man. I don't I don't get what they don't show about L.A. It drives me crazy. Where I coach one high school, if you go up the street to Angela Vista, Baldwin Heights, there's fifteen, twenty eight, twenty blocks of black millionaire homes. Black, a very successful black community up there, up on the hill. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They don't show that in L.A. They don't show all the right. successful black guys. and They got through it all. I told my guys never to be victims. You have a responsibility to make that block, make that tackle. You go out and do it. I don't wow. want to hear excuses. And that's what they're supposed to be taught. That's why to this day they still talk to me because I, I, I don't give up excuses. I don't have the victimization. I can't stand it. And the press just eats up on the victimization. Drives right. me insane. Right. My guys were like that. We were very successful. We put 43 NFL guys out of our high school, okay? Right. A lot of guys came out of there. And we were successful. And these guys still give back to me. They never once feel like they were victims. I would have went ballistic if they thought they were victims. Well, the and thing is, one of the things you have to understand, Greg, is you got a big heart. And you, you are the leader, okay? You're like the equivalent of the president or the watch commander. And you don't want to see right. division within your team. That's right. It's you want them all down. pulling yes. the same way because you want to win because you have an opponent on the other side. Now, if we could uh, conceptualize that, okay, you actually are going to command respect because I'm telling you, I'm black. Black people can always feel a real white person. We can just feel it. We can feel if a person has our best interest at heart. What if we have a situation where you have to put two sides that are against each other together? In a football game. Right. Uh, imagine <laughs> if you had to open up a dialogue between two sides that don't like each other. How would you apply that talent, folks? We're going to be right back. Yep. Got to take a hard This is break. a good discussion, folks. Coming good again discussion. at the top of the hour. Very important discussion. Greg?
This show is furnished by The Cochran Firm. The Cochran Firm. Welcome back, folks. And for those of you who are just tuning in, we are Nation Divided. I'm Brian Dunn, coming to you live in our hour number two from Culver City. Sitting across my best friend, Mr. James Oates, tackling the issues of the day. Uh, we've had a lot of wonderful callers call in. We're talking about some abstract topics. How are we going to stop hating each other? I, like, uh, I love what you were just saying there, man, when we were off the air. We have to change the way people are thinking. Yes. It, that's, that's the only solution here, really. It's got, that's, that is very abstract. You cannot solve a problem with the same mind that was used to create it. To create the problem. Uh, we have holding, uh, actually, a very special uh, caller. Uh, this is someone I've known for... Really, 24, 25 years, uh, he's a police practices expert. We're not going to get to him right now, Clarence. We're going to get right to you next. But I wanted to hear quickly from uh, I wanted to hear from Conrad from Burbank. You've been holding for a minute. And uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Conrad, welcome to A Nation Divided. Uh, do, do you think that the leadership might have something to do with it? Now, before we get into this, don't be critical of anybody. But tell us a little bit about what you think in that regard, the leadership. Uh, Conrad? It would be really... Yes, hello. Yes. Yeah, he's there. You got him. Yeah, I, I think it's a very simple solution. And what it is, is the leaders, all the way to the top, have to get together with the protesters, the leaders of the protesting, and just talk about it. Maybe a couple of athletes would, would be in the meeting and just talk about what's the solution and work out some kind of agreement to where they'd stop the protesting if they gave them a X amount of time to try to see some results with uh, talking with the police and everything and coming up upon some agreement to, like, talk before you shoot and just try to work together instead but, of them talking crap. But now, Conrad, yeah. let me just ask you this. So I just got a, I got a hit in the head right away. You've got yeah. a system of government that currently does that. You have people that go into rooms literally every day, big committees, lots of research, going at each other, too. We're not talking – this is not always milk toast stuff. You have people on – uh, radical sides of these arguments coming together, talking, trying to come up with solutions, writing laws, talking about budgets. What's different then? What What's not working about that process? Well, I, I think a lot of it is not working because it's not being publicized. Like these people that are protesting, the, let's say the littler people, you know, the people that don't go into the meetings. Right. They are not getting the word that they're getting any results, any kind of action. It's a very good so point. Right. So, right. So, so therefore, they just keep on going crazy. And then, I'm not going to name any names, but people in the leaderships, they just throw gasoline on it. And, say, and they, they, hey, and they absolutely looters do. and everything are stupid. They're a bunch of rioters and looters and MS. Well, it's on both and, sides. You know, Conrad, I can't thank you enough for chiming in. You really took us to the next level. I want to appreciate your voice. I like what Conrad said there. I want to reiterate what he was saying there to say it again. Conrad said that you've got, you have and this idea that you've got sort of, you're fanning it, that you have people that don't feel like they're being heard at all. They feel like they've got right. no option. They feel like they That's have no voice. That's a great point. And they are being uh, entrenched in that belief because... He said it. They feel like he, little he people. He nailed it. Yeah. So I want to get back to uh, Clarence Chapman uh, briefly. And now, now, Clarence, just so you know, he called in randomly. I didn't set this up. Clarence is a police practices expert. 
uh, former chief of police uh, of, of, I think it was UCLA Police Department, uh, but he really knows the issues of, of police practices better than almost anyone. Uh, when we were doing this in obscurity for many decades, and, you know, in the early 90s and even in the late 80s when crime was really just scary uh, in L.A., Clarence was in the, in the trenches with the sheriff's department trying to bridge the gap between the community and law enforcement. Uh, he's been an expert now for how is it been? How long have you been? Man? I know you are getting old, but how long have you been in, in the game? Exactly. Twenty nine years. My first case was, uh, I think, with you uh, and Missy O'Lynn. And I think that was in 1991. Oh, and Missy and I are getting old now. It's just crazy. <laughs> so, Clarence, I want to ask you this. We have Black Lives Matter. We have Blue Lives Matter. Uh, we have groups that have basically formed. And they have pitted themselves in a natural uh, form of antagonism. Uh, it's like I like to say the Yankees and the Red Sox. But Clarence, how, what would you say? You know this better than anyone in the world. How could that gap, just as an example, how could yes, that gap be bridged? It, absolutely. We've got to bridge the gap. And how do we do it? James, you were spot on when you talked about leaders and how leaders get into rooms and talk to each other. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about real-life people. Let, I, let me give you an example. I'm a black man. I was born in 1946, so you can't tell me about racism. I know what racism is. I don't need to read a book. But let's go back to the future. What worked a long time ago when community relations, that concept, started in the 1960s, early 1970s. And basically what we did was, <clears throat> it was mostly all white police officers on the Sheriff's Department, which I was a part of, and LAPD was totally white. But they started making officers go in the field, and we had this thing called the ride-along program. Dis yeah, right, right. Dismount and actually walk through the community, right? right. And, and, and Brian made a great uh, a point. Experience changes mindset. You can talk to people till you're blue in the face, and you can have your leaders out there, but if you want to bridge the gap between Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter, you've got to not walk in my shoes, but you've got to see where my footsteps are. Whoa. Nice. Revolutionary. And, and, and let's go back and do what worked before. Let's go back and how about the ride-along program? How about, I, you know what I want to do? I want to go out and get the most vocal protester, the guy out there with the expletives and screaming and yelling, and I want to put a uniform on, and I said, get in my car and stay with me for six hours, and I'll show you what's going on. And while we're in the car, we're not going to yell, we're not going to scream, we're not going to hit each other, just watch what I do. I don't have to watch what you do. I grew up in the most racist time in modern America. I grew up in 1940s and 1950s. I know what he's going through. Right. So why don't we exchange that, but not take me out of it. Put a white officer yeah, in. Yeah, and I, I can't thank you enough, Clarence. And you, I don't know if you remember this, but this has really changed my life. Uh, I, I did this as a favor to Gene Ramirez, where I, I, gave, I gave a post-credit uh, speech to a room of 500 uh, police officers. This was at a hotel in Orange County somewhere. And I thought I was going to, you know, not get out of there with my life. I thought they were going to be throwing things at me. I thought it was just going to be so much hostile energy because they wanted to hear from my side, like the plaintiff's side. Uh, and it was 500 cops. And that was the most love I have ever received. I was there. You were there, weren't I you? I was there. Yeah, it was, it was so warmly received. They really wanted to hear yeah. our perspective. And what it taught me was I thought that these were the majority... 
It taught me that this is the majority of law enforcement. Majority, That's yeah. what it taught me. Human beings. Yeah. Take the uniform off, and we're all from the same nature. We all are human beings. Can't thank you enough for calling, Clarence. I really appreciate you. Uh, Look we're forward gonna... to seeing you, Brian. All right, brother. Love Thanks, you, man. Clarence. I love you so much. You know what I heard Clarence saying, though? I want to jump in on this because I heard him saying that we had something we were doing at one time. Right. And it really worked. We're not doing that anymore. Right. Let's go back to doing it. And then when I'm hearing him say that, what I'm thinking is, why are we not doing that now? What changed? What drove us to the place where we are now where we right. don't do those things? And we also heard from Alan who was talking about leadership. Now, one of the things that folks yes. don't know about law enforcement is... Top down. The Yeah, the leadership determines everything. Law enforcement is a secular community. It's a community within a community. And they're going to take their cue from the leadership. And if the leadership uh, adopts us against and them, attitude, where does the are. leadership take their cue? Because guys Whoa. don't, they're not just, gro- they don't just put them out of nowhere. Let's just pop out of the ground. Oh, there's a guy. He's going to be the guy. Right. right. I'm going to put him in that job. Nah, it's the community. Yes. And you are so right. And folks, if you'd like to join the discussion, we're talking about what types of real world solutions we can use to bridge the gaps that have become so prevalent in our society democrat republican blue lives matter black lives matter all of these things where we have just put these lists up and we have to hate the person on the other side greg i was trying to get to you before uh are you with me did you come back to me oh greg are you there Uh, we're gonna get to you after the break if you are uh they're telling me i got a break uh if you'd like to join the discussion you can reach us at 1-800-222-5222 1-800-222-5222 Don't have to have a degree. All you have to have is a love for your country. We really want to help. And hang on, Greg. We'll get to you. We're going to get to you after the break. Yeah, Greg. We're going to be right back. Welcome back, folks. We are back. We are KBC Talk Radio AM 790. You're listening to A Nation Divided. I am Brian Thomas Dunn with my best friend, Mr. James Oates. We're having a more uh, abstract discussion than we normally would have. Esoteric, if you like. Yeah, the sounding board began... Not a lot of data here. Yeah, the events that started in Kenosha. uh, We had a couple of uh, really scary things happen. You had an officer-involved shooting. Then you had a citizen-involved shooting. You have a lot of people... Uh, outraged and dead. Uh, you know, we have one thing we didn't bring up was the uh, that sort of attack on Rand Paul and his wife this past week too. You got a United States senator. Well, well, yeah, he was he was attacked by protesters. Like Washington PD guys are like they're they're getting knocked down by the protesters. Even well, what has happened is that we have just abrogated any concept of civility. Yes, in our discourse with one another that. It's like we're no longer talking and we're fighting now. You didn't and listen to what I said, so now I'm going to do this. I must destroy you. Yeah, now yeah. I'm going to do that. You're going to pay for not listening to me. So, folks, we got to figure out how we're going to get to the root of this. You can reach us at 1-800-222-5222. Greg from Los Angeles. I tried to get a hold of you. How you doing? Hey, Sorry, I'm Greg. glad yeah, you're with you me, go. brother. Good, you're there. Welcome, Mike. I'm going to get to you next. Tell I, us. I was muted earlier, but I, I want to say thank you for what you guys are doing. We really need to have a dialogue. Absolutely. So here's what I'm thinking. is. Not not everyone on the left wants to see riots or wants to see uh, wants to defund the police, and not everyone on the right wants to see police shooting Thank you. anybody. So Thank what you. we need to do is we need to get that dialogue. And let me let me. Do you guys remember in the eighties, nineties when the Crips and the Bloods we we brought them together and yes. eventually oh, yeah. they, they actually yes. oh, yeah. we brought them together. And those are two groups who hate each other more than the left. But and the if right. you really know how that happened, it was the 
program that was instituted by the LAPD that had former gang members uh, that are old when they got out of prison. They actually worked in making that happen. Yes. They became yeah. paid paid social workers, basically. And that was a solution that really worked because these gang bangers tend to listen to their own, just like law enforcement, just like any other group. I, you and, know, and that 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 exactly my point, right? Is you need to take the OGs, you need to take the people who are on the right but that have power and sway with their constituency, and the people on the left who have power and sway with them, and you have to let them lead it. Right. And try to get away from those 10% voices on each side. And right. we just have to figure out a way of how to do that. But, Greg, why has the 10% become the 90%? I mean, why ha- why are yes. those 10% the loudest That's voices the now? Why does it seem <laughs> as though it's the voices that want violence, the voices that want disruption, the voices that want division? Why have they become the prominent voices now? I think it's fear. I'm, I'm personally, I'm in law enforcement, but... I sometimes am a little scared to say, hey, let's try to work together because then what is everyone going to think of me? Oh, you're just somewhere, you know, you're just someone on the left. Right. What oh. people do is they push people It's that away. fear. So it's I like, like, yeah. It's everything. And yeah, it's uh, if you fear. talk it's, about it's the mindset. It's a pressure fear, I guess we're saying, yeah. But if you talk about the mindset of a gang member, uh, it's very similar. Because believe it or not, folks, if you really understand gang culture, the vast majority of gang members are moderate. They are not yes. incredibly violent individuals. They are not folks that enjoy killing or fighting. They right, just want you, acceptance by the gang. They, but they, you got they, that guy that says you better fall in line. Right. You better fall in line. But the, the, it's the craziest guys in that yeah. group that tend to dictate the uh, the agenda. Now, this just I happen to know a lot about about gangs because of you know work that we do. But but what you're basically saying, uh, Greg, is that there has to be some kind of uh, translation into law enforcement and law enforcement's relationship to the community. Do you have anything specific that you think might work? Um, no, not right now. I think in a few months we're we're going to be there. Yeah. I think right now we're going to have to kind of ride this out. I, I just don't see it as as getting in. Other than these dialogues that you are having on on radio stations, right? And maybe encouraging encouraging the middle. To speak up more, right? Not, well, and that's know, Greg. That's I wonder this. Greg, keep Greg. I wonder. I want to hit what you just said. Do you think that the system that we currently have, two-party system, Republicans, Democrats, those two words, is it even salvageable? Is it really salvageable in the end? Is this going to eventually work itself out in five, ten, fifteen, twenty years? Right. I mean, clearly you have me pegged as someone who would like to see a third party, and I really would. Um, yeah. I think it is salvageable. You know, it's funny. We have Steve. I'm going to get right back to you, Steve. Steve is a law enforcement officer, uh, and I really appreciate when uh, when law enforcement calls yes. in. Yes. Guess what Steve thinks, Greg? Anyway, you guys are seem to be cut from the same cloth. Keep going, brother. Keep going. Well, I was going to say, I, I, think we have to, I think we have to get the third party, but I think we have to do that from people on both sides telling telling other people hey let's listen to what he has to say he's on our side let's Boom. listen yes let's see what he has yes. to say and that that's all of us yes that have to stand up and say hey yes. no more of the cancel culture on the left no more of the cancel culture on the right let's listen and i think every one of us needs to be able to stand up and say that and then that way the diagra- uh the dialogue can progress thank you so much for calling greg and i think Thanks, they should greg. call that's the third awesome. party the americans that should be the name right. of the yeah. third party the yeah. americans americans uh steve from calabasas uh, I wanted to get back to you because you've been, you know, such a strong voice for us here. 
What what do you see now? Thank you so much. Yeah, for for those of you who you have been listening, Steve has been with us for you know since the first hour. He's actually law enforcement. We've been talking about ways that we could ameliorate the divide, but then we start talking about what's happening with our leadership. And if we had a third political party, like say that was in the middle of the two, uh, first of all, I think it would wipe the floor with the other two. But still, what do you think about that, Steve? You're a guy who's dedicated his life to helping people by getting out there in the community and doing your thing. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know what? And you said it best, changing the mindset, changing the consciousness. Yeah. And the only way we're going to do that is by educating one another. Yeah. On both sides. So thank you so much, Steve. I can't agree with you more. Did you have anything else that that cut you off? You had an and 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 I cut you off. Keep going, brother. I'm sorry. And, you know, um, sorry with the community, with the communities, they need to be involved more with law enforcement where there could be a committee of community members, community citizens that can truly voice the way they feel what's going on in the community. Right. So that they feel like they actually have a voice. Amen. Exactly. A dialogue. And if a person knows that they're... One thing, gentlemen, anytime you're in a relationship, what's the most critical thing? Communication. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I read, I, I read that book. What was it called? Men, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I, I don't know, book, but right? I've had that we need to talk conversation a lot. Anytime yeah. they say you need to talk, <laughs> that's about go, the worst no, thing a girl can say. Do we really have to? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, actually, you go, huh? Steve, we love you. Thank you so <laughs> Thanks, much for Steve. calling, folks. Uh, I'd like to bring one thing up to folks before we, uh, we, we might have a little break coming up, but try to understand this. We were thinking about race relations, and we were thinking about uh, last year, there was this this conceptualization of 400 years. Uh, we have had uh, African-Americans and, and whites living together, blacks and whites, whatever you want to say. We've been in America together for 400 years. And if you look at that, that's a darn long time, folks. And if you understand the conceptualization of where we are now. A long time for the system to build to where it was. Yeah, Generations. 1965 is basically considered to be the year... The Voting Rights Act, that has considered to be the end of formal segregation that was accepted legally. So if in, you look at... In fact, if you want to go back, it's it's even further because, of course, the United States of America being formed was just an extension of what was already going on all around the world. And there had been centuries, millennia, of the same way of doing things over and over and over again. And 1619 is considered to be the beginning of the slave trade. So if you look at this in the modern slave trade, but not the I mean, slaves were if we can go into the whole history of that the point is, is that you had this way of thinking about the other. But I was referring to America forever. and of course, yeah. specifically slavery in America. And try to let me get this get this out real quick. Go. If we look at it, if we say we've been together for 401 years and it's only been the last 50 uh, 55 uh, years or so that there has been no segregation, that's only one-eighth of the time. So if you were going to imagine a clock, I actually did the map. It's only the last seven and a half minutes of that clock. On a clock, yeah. That there has been no segregation. And that is something that you might want to consider when thinking about the voices that say everything is terrible and everything is wrong. We have a whole lot of history that we have to overcome. We have a lot of inertia that we have to overcome. We have a need 
for compassion, I think. I'm just hoping that clock doesn't stop. Hope the clock keeps going. Well, you have right? to bite me if they bring slavery back. <laughs> yeah, I'm just no. telling you right now. Well, I, I thought we had an agreement. You know, I want us to have. The, I want us to have the whole thing happen. I'll where, pay for myself, but you have to bite me, Jim. I'm we, serious. Where we get to the place where the clock has run through over and over and over again, and that's truly ancient history. Thank you, Jim. We're going to get to everybody, folks. If you'd like to join the discussion, you can reach us at one 1-800-222-5222. In the wake of all of the violence that we've seen coming out of Wisconsin. In the wake of all of the rhetoric that has divided us as a nation, we're trying to figure out solutions and how we can turn these things around. Because we are firmly of the belief, I'm sure we're right, that the vast majority of Americans are moderate. They absolutely. And if you look at an officer-involved shooting, the average American wants to look at each case on a case-by-case basis. And they want to see, is this good, is this bad? But you don't want to always say, this is good and this is bad. All you have to do is listen to what people are saying. They typically don't say, I am going to vote for so-and-so, or I'm going to do such-and-such because I believe A, B, and C, and that's it. What they typically say is, we better vote for so-and-so, or we better take this action, because if we don't... The other side's going to take over. There you go. The other side's going to run with it. And it's that same thing with the on-the-street protest, the same idea. Absolutely. We better go out and do this because if we don't, the others are going to take it and run away. Or they're yeah. never going to make a change. And if you'd like to join the discussion, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we are going to – yeah, we've got a little bit of time. Mike, yeah. I want to thank you so much for calling and being so patient and holding hey, for so long. Uh, we are obviously not going to say anything bad about anyone. We want to figure out constructive solutions. And, Mike, tell us where we're going to go with this. We're dying here. Okay. First, I want to say hi, Brian. Hi, Jim. I always enjoy hey, listening Mike. to you hey, guys. Hi, thank you. Anyway, um, first, I want to point out what is, I think, painfully obvious, but apparently some people don't get it yet, that all this mass violence, the um, very violent protests, the... Um, Black Lives Matter program against Jews and Jewish business. All right, slow down, Mike. We're not going to do that now, Mike. We are not going to put that on Black Lives Matter. I can't can't have you go there. And I'm telling you because it's we're not going to accuse anyone of doing anything. What we're going to try to do here is how can we change the mindset of a person? Now, I know there are a lot of folks that say, well, because the other person is so wrong, until they get right, we can't have a discussion. It's an old variation on the, I would love to see your point of view, but I cannot put my head Mike, we'll far. Come back. My we're, Mike, we're going to come back we to you. We are going to come back to you, Mike. Go to the break. It's hard break. Got to be nice. Got to be nice. But Time he had a point, increase. and he's going to get to make it. All right. Or I'll have to tackle you. Nothing's wrong, folks. <laughs> We are KBC Talk Radio AM 790. You're listening to A Nation Divided. I am Brian Dunn with James Oates. And we have been remiss because we have not given the requisite shout out that we must to Chadwick Boseman. Uh, The really deep and he had a love uh, that came through with him. I remember the show, the Thurgood Marshall. uh, He was in the Thurgood Marshall movie movie played Thurgood. 
Black Panther is why he became famous. How old was he? Was he, he 43 years 40, old? Yeah, 43. Yeah. And as a colon cancer Young survivor, guy. folks, yes. I got to tell you, if you are a man, oh, I miss that. You're right. You've yes. got to get that colonoscopy now. I don't. They usually say get it at, at the age of fifty. I I was diagnosed with stage three cancer at the age of fifty. Had I waited six months to get that colonoscopy, no. yeah, that's not. It good. might have been a very different story. Right. It, so, folks, just it, it, just because I love stuff. you all, uh, it, you, this is something you got to take care of, uh, and this is something that I feel like I got a second lease on life because, you know. I didn't take this seriously, and I almost got in serious trouble. And I would not want to see that happen to anyone, much less... Colon cancer does not care what political party you are. Colon don't care. COVID don't care. COVID don't care. COVID don't care. Colon cancer don't care. All right. Jim is going to take Mike. Uh, Mike, I've been too hard on you. Talk to us, baby. Come back, Mike. We want to hear you. Hi, thank you. The the point I'm trying to make is that there are people and organizations trying to divide and conquer America. They're trying to divide us by race, by gender, by class. They're Marxists. That's the standard... Marxist tactic, and that all this mass violence that's going on, uh, some of it even against blacks, black police officers, black businesses, this is all organized. This is not just random people who are upset and protesting. This is organized violence involves Antifa, um, Black Lives Matter, other groups. But the I point agree with is you. That- I agree with you completely, Mike, that there are groups that are trying to divide us. And I agree that there are Marxist groups that have as their intent division. But that also, just saying that, leaves out a big swath of a bunch of other people and a bunch of other groups that are responding, may or may not in kind. Maybe they're doing it on their own. They're driven for their own motive. It could be money. There's a lot of different reasons that we can go into. But I like what you're essentially saying, that there and are also the per- Marxists are funded with millions of dollars, including from corporate America. And it just shows how corporate America is not immoral. It's amoral. They don't have moral values one way or the other way. Hey, I own a corporation now. That's Come on. Right. Well, no. I, well, I, in general. I said in general. In general. Yeah. No, of course. All yeah. right, Mike, listen, we love you so much. Thank you so much for calling. Thanks. Uh, Jim, Thanks, this Mike. is what I wanted to hear. And we're going to get Conrad. We're going to get to you in two seconds. But, Jim, this is you brought up something earlier. And you basically alluded to the fact that the what do we do if there are individuals and we will name no names individuals in positions of power who really profit from these divisions absolutely so like the thing that i would just throw in and we didn't get a chance to talk about it so we didn't do the show last week was the steve bannon thing that came out you know and Steve Bannon's definitely not a Marxist. There's no doubt about that. Tell our tell our viewers what happened. Well, in the I mean, everyone knows. Everyone knows the the news reports. But but he has been arrested. And what was he doing? He was fleecing the guys that, that basically his own guys, the guys that yeah. he was convinced were on his side, or at least he was convincing them that he was on their side. And it's the whole thing about trying the, to build funds for building the wall. Steve Bannon, his, former yeah. uh, campaign yeah, advisor right. to uh, Donald Trump, basically started a, an organization which purported to be a nonprofit organization. My point would be to say that, okay, you've got this guy doing things that he does. He's got his own motivations, could be money, greed, whatever you want to call it. Mike, I think he's making a legitimate point. You got other organizations, they're looking to divide. They've got their reasons. The bulk of us, like you say, the majority of us in America, we are not Marxists and we're not trying to skim off some sort of like right. multi million dollar build a wall scam to right. buy a yacht right. in uh, wherever he bought it, Nantucket. The point is, is that the bulk of us are in the middle. And we don't want police violence and we don't want looting. And we don't want we don't want lawlessness, and we don't want uh, there to be 
conceptualization of hate all this person or hate all this person. And then the challenge is how do we root that out? How do we have the discussion? Like Mike ah! brings up the Marxist. How do, we, how do we have the discussion where we root that out? But we don't alienate the other side. Right. And Conrad, uh, I saw I saw you might have been dropped if you can call back. I did want to get to you because you've been holding for a minute. You'll go first. But that's really the essence of the situation, Jim. And I wanted to get back to what you were saying because it is so important. We have a, a situation now in our country where it seems as though instead of being... Uh, on the fringe, or instead of being something that is considered an outlier, the most divisive political voices have center stage. And the most divisive of us seem to be in the positions where they are maybe influencing individuals. Well, the point that I didn't really hear made yet today for people that had called in so far, and I think I heard some people maybe alluding to it, but they didn't articulate it, is that it's not going to work for some party, some partisan group, for them to just say, hey, we're just like the other side, so you don't really need to vote for us. You don't really need to go our way because we're the same as the other side. We agree with almost everything the other side says. That doesn't get you votes. It doesn't get you political power. Well, the thing is, is that what has happened is that there have been things that have been taken out of context. Like, for example, everyone can agree that... Uh, violence against law enforcement is bad. Everyone can agree with that. And if you look at the Black Lives Matter folks, none of them are talking about violence against law enforcement. But what has happened not is... The, not the bulk. You do have the people... You've got the, the people vast, that are saying... The vast majority, of course. It, but that's... We have to be careful. Maybe those absolute blanket statements one way or the other. We well, have to it, make it's the sure same thing the include. other way. I yeah, mean, sure police in general, law enforcement, I got to crash course. They don't like it when unarmed people get shot. But there are people that have been in law enforcement. I'm sure there probably are some still that right. are there that think, hey, actually, you know what? If I got to crack a few heads here and that's going to be what it takes and so what? Right. And that was a mindset that was pervasive. Minority. Very distinct minority. I'm now sure. it's a minority. You speak majority. But the whole thing is you have bad eggs and you have bad dentists. You have bad plumbers. I wonder if it ever You have really bad uh, dog catchers and you certainly have bad exactly. lawyers. Yeah. I mean, the most corrupt people I've ever met. Have been lawyers. And you would think they would be they, And ultimately, they, we, it's going to be a reflection of all of the rest of us. Right. Uh, I think that when we start looking at the divisions, the, the issues are every pe person can agree on certain things. But if you say the Dems are this. Yes. Or if you say that, uh, you know, the whatever, the, the Trump people are this, you, you have shut down the dialogue. Now We have this problem. We have that problem. And as long as the Democrats keep doing that, or as long as the Republicans keep doing this, or even to the point where people you know, they're, they're say, if Trump just would go away or if Trump would just right. do this thing, everything else would fall into place. It's not really and, and true. The only person that wins are the leprechauns of violence. Of course. Mike from Marina Del Rey, thank you so much for calling. I'd like you to Hi, understand uh, that we I want you to be here, brother. Is that uh, it's been evident from the very beginning, you put uh, high schoolers on the street when you don't have school. When you don't have college, you put uh, um, 18 to 25-year-olds on the street, okay. potentially. So right. this and is because of... Uh, you create a bunch of uh, people that need something to do. But now, see, here's the thing, though, Mike. Certainly there's no doubt that the protests that have occurred and the unrest that we've seen... 
there's no doubt that the cabin fever aspect of coronavirus spun that up. But that's a good point. But it had to have some fertile ground. It had to have something that drove it from before that. And as we've been talking about way before coronavirus, it's the whole point of our show is to say that we do live in this nation that is completely divided. And it just the wedge keeps right. going deeper. And, and, you know, the example is really interesting because when Mike brings this up, I'm, I'm reminded of the, of the words of the police chief. And uh, it was the place in, in Wisconsin where they should Kenosha or something. Yeah. And, he, you know, there was a second event that happened where the, the 17-year-old with the, with yes. the AR-15 gets into the... And the guys were the, coming in, militias were coming in. And, and, and he says, well, if, if these folks had, had simply abided by the curfew... Uh, none of this they would none of this would have happened if the people had invited by the if they had done uh, what they were supposed to do and stay home and technically it's right but that is really a approach that's just going to divide everyone because the reality is it was a shooting that killed these folks it wasn't their presence outside of the home after 10 p.m or whatever the curfew was it was the homicidal act of firing an ar-15 that did it so what the police chief well, is doing okay, when he says that, though, but what he's basically doing is he's impliedly blaming the people that got shot for being shot. And well, but you, you and I both watched that video. Now I gotta, I gotta stop you on that one, brother. You know, yeah, I love but you, wait but a minute. You but, use but the, the word point, homicide. The point that he said, okay, well, okay, it certainly ahead. a homicide doesn't say mean it. murder. Yes, uh, it I certainly know. was. It, their but death was not caused by old age or heart attacks. Uh, it was course. caused by that AR-15. Go, but go ahead, go ahead and say what you're going to say. Uh, but no, I'm trying to tell you what homicide means. No, uh, no that. But make the point. Death that you at were, the hands of another is what homicide make means. The point you were going to make. Uh, well, the point I'm going to make is is that they did not get killed. Because they were out in violation of the curfew, they got killed because they got into it with a man with a gun. Right. Now, you, I don't want to get into that situation, but the idea, folks, is that the police chief should be saying, in my opinion, we're going to look at this case objectively and we're going to look at every shooting like on its own merits and we're going to take every case and we're going to determine what happened. And we're not above the law, and sometimes we do get it wrong. But we're not going to blanketly defend everything that an, a law enforcement officer does. Because if we have no uh, but uh, artic- But articulate again what you were trying to articulate, because I kind of cut you off. You were trying to articulate that even what, you know, the, what the police chief said was technically correct— it, well, you could also make it the argument implying. that if no one leaves home, there will never be any violence. Okay, if a person gets hit by a car, you could say, well, if you had stayed home uh, like you should have because of COVID, you wouldn't have got hit by the car. That doesn't really address the real issue. But the real, the deeper thing that I was trying to bring up, Jim, is that this is the chief of police. And he's in a position of leadership. And if we have a person in a position of leadership that is saying things that are so, taken so much out of context that they become divisive. We need the leader that's going to look at a shooting and say, look, we have to be objective about this. Right. We have to look at each case on its own merits. We're going to stand up and not make any other random comment about the fact that this wouldn't have happened if. And we're not going to blame the people that get shot for being shot publicly without really going into the facts. We're going to look at each case on its own merits. That's the thing. So, folks, I hope I'm not sounding angry, but... These are some issues that we have to get at, folks. And I think that we're going to figure out a middle ground. Maybe, or maybe not. 
Oh, we will. I don't know. We have optimism and love. See you all soon. Welcome back, folks. We're dealing with some unprecedented times. We have so much in common, yet we only focus on what we have against each other. We have Democrats. We have Republicans. We have so many people that seem to have an, a hatred for other Americans. Is it real? I'm telling you, it's not real. I'm trying to tell you that we have so much more in common. And we have to figure out ways that we can tear down the invisible walls that are between us. Conrad, you've been so patient. I'm glad you came back to us. Tell us how we're going to handle this, brother. We are dying to know what you think. I have a crazy concept. I don't know if it would ever work, but how about if they had the primaries and the winner with the most votes became the president and the second place in the other party became the president? the vice president i think that's a hell of an idea there are actually systems that do that that's i think right. that's a great idea and i think that it would probably do some pretty good things however it would require an entire restructuring of our system and perhaps that's what's needed conrad and also maybe the other yeah. thing that that does is that that does then sort of just give in to the fact that we have to be as divided as we really are right and we don't have to be but we have somehow for some strange reason bought into the fact that we do that it must be. Right. Way. Conrad, what do you think about how we can bridge the gap between both sides? Communication. Most important thing with relationships and any aspect of life. Yeah. And I can't, I can't thank you enough. He's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. And, you know, when we started thinking about this, we weren't, uh, we were going to do everything we could. Thank you so much, Conrad. We were going to do thank everything you. that we could to not talk about the conceptualizations that have destroyed us, which is that we are right and they're wrong uh, because it's an illusion. We're actually all together in this. And the idea that we have been pitted against each other is something that is somewhat unprecedented. We have always had political divisions. We have always had differences among us. But rarely have we had the type of vitriolic violence that causes a Rand Paul to be attacked by protesters or that causes violence in the streets in ways that are caught on videotape and more often not caught on videotape. This is something that's unusual. And what we always want to know, folks, is this violence the symptom of a deeper problem of division or is it the cause? There are a lot of people that will talk about the history of this nation in terms of, you know, our dark past, slavery, and you know, all of those hundreds of years that we were dealing with that, and saying that all of this is still an outgrowth of that. I don't know if I agree or disagree with them, uh, but I can tell you that we have not been off of that for very long. I was born in 1968, three years after all of the trappings of segregation had been eliminated. We're not going to just change overnight. The problems that have divided us are not just going to go away. Jim, if I ask you to walk to New York, walk to New York, it would not be fair 
for me to check up on you in a couple of days and say, you're not there yet. That would not be fair to you because it's a long way that you have to walk. I think what you're insinuating is that people have this unrealistic expectation. And yes, there is no doubt that some of the expectation that's out there, I'm sure, is unrealistic. But at the same time, it shouldn't take that long for some of the changes that we're talking about. And I I don't believe. And so then I have to ask myself the question, well, then why do we still find ourselves in the place where we are so divided? Or or I wouldn't even really say still. I should not say that. Why do we find ourselves in the place today where we as a nation state are is politically divided and the rhetoric is so intense and so one-sided? Well, we've had a lot of changes that we've been through as a country. And we've had a lot of political uh, movements uh, that have emerged. And there has been a playbook uh, that has been used, not just in our society, but in many others, uh, which focuses on fear, uh, capitalizing on fear, using it as a political football. These are the kinds of things that are not in the best interest of our country, but they seem to work. They're in the best interest of achieving immediate political power. And they seem to be very effective. And so are we going to get to a point to where that style is no longer in vogue? Or are we going to keep going the way we're going? I'm really intrigued by the idea of a third political party. Intrigued. How do you think that could happen, Jim? Oh, I don't know, but it does. I don't know that that's even realistic. But you do know that the founding fathers did not envision the partisanship that we have today. In fact, I think that you can probably argue that that's the reason people today feel like government doesn't work because government wasn't – our federal government wasn't really designed for this two-party system. It kind of – it filtered – it sort of settled into this, and it's worked by convention for a very long time. But and, it, if you look at the way the Senate and, and the House works as the two branches of Congress – wasn't really designed to be just two parties. Well, we certainly don't want a situation where there's only one party. And we certainly don't no. want a dictatorship. No. We certainly don't want to live in a situation where the voices of the masses are stifled by uh, things that take away our right of free speech. But at the same time, we have to figure out some solutions here. One of the things that we went, we come back to civility so much. We did a show on that. There you go. Over a year ago. I think it was almost two years ago now. There you go. We We did a show on civility because that was the thing that was really striking both of us at the time. Right. That there was no room for proper, reasonable, civil discourse. Right. But we still find ourselves there today, of course. And how will that ever change? How do we get to the place where we can talk rationally about these things even though we are passionate, you're passionate about some stuff, I'm passionate about some stuff. And then that comes into the discussion and then takes us to a place where all of a sudden we're not hearing each other. Right. And if you look at what we've overcome, any person who is over the age of probably the middle 60s has actually experienced being aware of a time when segregation was the law of the land. Uh, my mother certainly can remember it. And when she talks about the things that her father told her, we are really seeing a situation that is very different today. And it's very easy for us to fall into the mindset of thinking how horrible everything is. 
Talk to someone who is 70 years old about the way things used to be. And one of the things you may learn is that we have kind of made some significant progress. It's never enough. It's never enough. But we are still very new as a country. It's it's a really complex thing, isn't it? This idea of expectation and then what is reasonable and what's not reasonable in that expectation. And how do people get to the point where they feel hopeless about the system? Because if their expectations are too high, that's a great point. Then they're going to feel hopeless, even Good if point. there's change happening. If their expectations are not, the standards aren't set high enough, then they'll never even push for the change, and so then they'll feel hopeless. So we actually had the voice of a, of a wonderful, wonderful so-called earlier Chief Clarence Chapman, uh, who was an expert witness, dedicated his life to law enforcement. And he talked about a time when we were actually being proactive. Yes, when we were actually – when police were going out and doing the ride-alongs. They are going out yeah. into the communities. Right. That was an active choice that was made at that time. Right. It was – we were trying to tear down the walls. It might have worked. It might not have worked. But we were at least trying. They were trying. Yeah. And, and that's a step in the right direction. Even if it may not have immediate results, it's a step in the right direction. And I think that one of the things we have to support, folks, is we have to support leadership that – thinks about these subjects because things don't happen because they just happen. They happen because of the way that we think and they are an outgrowth of our consciousness, whether it's a person being killed or whether it's a violent uh, insult being hurled uh, over a microphone. This is something that is thought about before. And if you say the word uh, Dems or Republicans, if there is an association with that, that's negative. You have to understand you're talking about another American. You're talking about another person who is your countryman. And at the end of the day, the people love this country because of the fact that we have a system that allows for us to express ourselves. I do just wonder if those two terms are so loaded now that they're never going to work again. Well, everything is so loaded. Yeah. And the idea is that we have forgotten how much we have in common. We have forgotten that we all hate police violence. We have forgotten that we hate lawlessness in the streets. We hate looting. We hate the things that are destroying uh, honest businesses and, and, and the lives of business owners. But all of us agree with this, regardless of what moniker you wear politically. We just seem to have forgotten it. Yeah. So, folks, we're getting ready to move into... The close of this show, I want to thank you so much, everyone who's been listening for the last couple of hours. It's been a very emotional discussion. We're really talking about a lot of deep issues. And one of the things that I keep being reminded of is the need for compassion. We really need to understand that this is not going to change overnight. We have to understand that the, the divisions that exist have existed for a while. And we had a, a lot going on in our past that reinforced those divisions by way of our social structure. We are not doing as badly as we think. We are not as divided as we think. And we have to understand that. So as we move into the next week, we want you to remember that even if Jim and I disagree with you, we love, love you all. Be safe out there. Wear that mask. And please keep that AR-15 at home. We love you, folks. See you next week.
This show is furnished by The Cochran Firm. 